to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Hello, this is Daria Brown, and in part two of our floor time review, clinical psychologist and founder and director of the Greenhouse Therapy Center in Pasadena, California, Dr. Andrea Davis is back to continue breaking down the strategies I am using to promote emotional thinking and logical thinking in my 11-year-old son while supporting his developmental process using the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based or DIR model. This follows from part one last week. We continue by diving right back into our floor time video. So let's pop to 6.30 on the, on, to listen to when you really start to use um, more of the uh, capacity six strategies, 6.6 .6, building bridges, 6.7 elaborating, 6.9 making connections between three or more ideas, and 6.12 debate. And the I see in this video just moving between them all so so in such a nice flow. It's it's really cool to watch. So it starts around 6.30 if you want to go there. You say I'm confused. He has to explain himself. Oh, yeah, that can be the cup on top. Okay, which trophy is this? The gold trophy. Okay, gold. So what do I need to make then? First. Is what? It, and maybe I could just interject, you know, if you're a speech therapist, you may be thinking about all these moments of clarification for the purposes of communication. So, you know, fixing misunderstandings is a really important speech goal. Let's never forget that when we're talking about DIR floor time, that it's social emotional development and cognitive development. And this is a point that Jake Greenspan, Dr. Greenspan's son has been making. So let's not forget the thinking part that makes our model really special because you, you can't um, manipulate um, reinforcers to make someone think. It, it, it's really quite unique to a developmental model that we're looking at how he thinks and helping him not only clarify his communication, but to think more clearly, to really organize those thoughts so they make sense in, in building those bridges, doing that logical thinking that all of this leads up to. So here's where you're working it really strong and gentle, gently throughout. I love that. So what do I need to make? A first. Everybody can see what you did there so beautifully. You did debate a little bit, but you didn't correct. And what, what we can see on the visual is he's working really hard to sort this out. You didn't, you, you 
incited his thinking. That's one of my favorite things about this model. You incite his thinking, but you don't do it for him. And how many parents have to learn that the hard way, right? We help, help parents learn, don't do the thinking for him. That's the easy way out. You have to be the, you talked about patience. This is patience here where you're, you're just using your confusion for him to sort out, oh yeah, the cup is the gold trophy. It is number one and, and he's working hard and then he gets there and it doesn't matter to you very much. So it's, again, it's not high stakes. It's not dramatic between the two of you where some parents feel like my child will be okay if he sorts this out, if he gets the answer right on his homework my child will be okay in the future. So I don't have any of that feeling of pressure and anxiety with you. You're, you're making it playful because it doesn't matter really if he sorts this out now or if he has a way to use you in a process through the future of sorting out what he thinks and how it fits together. But this is what Dr. Greenspan meant about building bridges and making those logical connections. And this is what I mean about um, you being the challenger at this point and gently challenging. I love it. It's not like you said, pressured, but we can pop also to 9.50 in, in, the, in the little clip here um, where you're really using inciting thinking and instigating creativity and to get him to make up something new because he loves to repeat and it's beautiful. He wants to share his emotions. He wants to share his thinking with you. This is exactly what we want to see in a child. That's why we have relationships. And he's, but he's showing you what he already saw in the game and you want him to go further. You want him to go from a game player to a game developer, right? So here you do it at 9.50. And um, before we hop in, I just want to explain that because we've done Plato a bunch of times since this video was filmed, I now, watching that again, realize what he wanted, what he was trying to tell me, but couldn't articulate for the gold. Because I kept saying, but this is the cup, but this is the gold. What do you mean? What do you mean? He wanted me to put a number one on the gold trophy. Because in the game, it shows a number one and the silver has a number two on it. And since then, we've done Plato, and he told me that and I've put the number one, number two. I forgot all about that until I just saw that again. So I think that's what he was trying to get at. He was saying number one, but because I genuinely didn't know that, it really made him think to explain. So <laughs> it's but funny seeing that again. Look at how, look at his resilience mm -hmm. that he didn't fall apart, even though he can't quite explain it to you. And that always happens in, in, in human communication, no matter who we are, there's points at which we just can't make ourselves fully understood. And, and for some of us, that's catastrophic and we give up, we fall apart. He doesn't do that. He, he's because of all the support you're giving him and the lack of pressure, you know, then you're not pressuring him, as we said, and you're supporting him and you're, you're having fun with him and that fun and the joy carry and build his resilience, I think, to manage the frustration and impatience of a moment like that. Isabelle. You want to make Isabelle? You can make her. Can we make up a new character? Yoshi! Oh, Yoshi. Here, sit back. Yay! But, but Yoshi's not a new character. Yokai! But, but those, you already know those. I want to make up a new one that doesn't exist. You can make up a new one. Okay, I'm going to make up the, uh, 
super quick train guy. What should we call him? Toad! There already is a toad. Villager! There's already a villager. I want to make a super speed train. Like a bullet train. Let's call him Bullet. Yeah. Billy Bullet. Which? A Bill Bullet. Bill a Bullet? Yeah. What's that mean? Well, I knock all of them out of the game. Okay, well, here's our super speed bullet train called Billy Bullet. Billy Bullet. Billy Bullet. And Billy it has bullet. wheels. Wheels. Yeah, the wheels are underneath. It's so fast. And it needs coaches. Oh, that's gonna slow him down. He needs to go on the track. Yeah, do we need to make a train track for Billy Bullet, or is he gonna go on the track with everybody else? A train track! We can stop there for a sec, and, and what we're gonna see is, in a moment, you're gonna be going back to getting him to think logically, but why I love that, that little part you just shared with us, because you see him so supported by you to really stop and do the thing that's hard for him, which is, yes, it's easy for him to, he's got this fantastic memory, like many of the children that we see who are on the spectrum, you know, there's this precise memory. It might be auditory for him. It looks really like it's very visual. He's got it all and he wants to recreate it and share his excitement with you about that. You're asking him to do a new thing is to, to enjoy novelty, enjoy the creation. And he does. He's working with you to make up this new character that he's decided is Billy Bullet. Um, so that that's that's exactly where we want him to be working so much. And what a gratifying moment as a parent to see him join you in that. So now you're going to be uh, asking him to elaborate on the logic of the situation about fairness, and it's coming right here. So. 6.7 is what I call elaborate to the, encourage those logical connections. Yeah, maybe we better make a train track. But is that going to be fair? Is that a fair race? He's on one track and they're on a different track? Yes. Is that okay? Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. I think so? I think we should call him. What do you think is faster though? The train track or the regular track? The regular track. You need to make a train track. Okay. We should call him... Who? Rosalina. There already is Okay. So he really wants to go back to what he knows. <laughs> he does. But I love that you really, really elaborated and then debated a bit about what's fair if they have two different kinds of tracks one that's faster and then they're going to race he's thinking about it. i bet the next time you ask him about this he's gone further you know we work we make connections while we sleep and while we dream you're asking him to make those connections that aren't quite there and i bet you he gets clearer about it next time just because you made it so enticing and then we come to my favorite favorite part where something happens in the play and you use you know a little bit more of the genuine self. When I'm naming these numbers, it's it's from those, as you said at the beginning, the, the strategies list. Um, and using 4.7, we're working on more of a little bit more of your genuine self, 
but most of all 6.2 highlighting emotion to get that emotional thinking going here at 12.26 we can show what happens and how he moves into empathy if we find that here we go because you know you didn't overdo it there was this lightness yes you dramatized your disappointment and your resentment and maybe that little feeling of retaliation that a child that's playing with him would feel but it's all muted and moderated so it's not over the top he can engage this and he has a way to fix it um, and he, and he's actually thinking about what would make you feel better. First, he tries to calm you down. So if you can do another one and you're still sad, and then he's like, then he just, he moves to a better repair where he's like, he apologizes. I'm sorry, mama. And then he, you know, makes, um, reparation, you know, he, um, he says, I'm, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make another character for the race. What, you know, you can have these colors. So he's, really thinking about your disappointment and taking care of that. So you, you definitely encouraged empathy in that moment. What, what do you think as you watch it back again? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I think what he's doing is he's like uh, subconsciously thinking that was too hard. I don't know this bullet thing. I'm squishing it. It doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. 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 But um, how you dodged the, the it's, it's tempting as a parent to get moralistic and play is not moralizing how many parents think oh we can play and then we can teach what I always wanted to lecture about and I'm going to lecture in the in the form of play and you lose the, the playful aspect of it but here you're just being like another child who's really disappointed um who's really sad and really frustrated, maybe a little bit resentful, and he's able to handle all of that. You come back to the um, issue of, he, yeah, he doesn't want the new character, so he's gonna smush it. But, and then you try another one. You try uh, at 15.17, you try empathically narrating his feeling state. Em empathic narration is one of the core strategies that we use constantly to help the child understand their own feelings and to feel cared for, accepted, and understood, and to sort out what they're thinking and feeling too. It's like you all of a sudden you kind of get on track with him and his emotional about the smooshing, and you and you you're able to clarify it for him. And you say, "You don't like Billy Bullet. You you don't want him to be in the race because I made him up." And he says, yeah. So when we're doing empathic narration, of course, we're never quite sure what another person is feeling, even our own child. We just try to guess. And that guessing helps them 
get on board with guessing about their own self and what makes sense that emotional thinking and building bridges between how they feel and what happened that that Greenspan talked about. So um, you're taking a guess. You don't, maybe you squished him because you don't like him because you don't want him to be in the race. Maybe because I made him up. And he's like, yeah. So he's really going to be cooking on that idea because you gave that acceptance of naming those feelings and, and, and uh, narrating the, not just what's happening like a sportscaster in the play, which you do all the way through, but narrating the feelings themselves. And that makes him much more aware of himself and able to explain himself and someday come and say to his partner, you know, I, I think I, I raised my voice because I was just really stressed about, you know, my day. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's really going on. You know, that sort of sorting yourself out that helps us fix and repair together. So uh, it's, it's really, really awesome to see you do that. This train should go over beside the water. You don't like my Billy Bullet. You don't want him in the race, do you? No. You don't think he belongs because I made him up? But he wants to be part of the race. Please, can I be part of the race? Yeah. You have to make shy guy. He has glasses and the way. So, that he doesn't fully, that's hard for him. But I think, again, it's planting seeds. He doesn't fully engage you on that. But he, he's tracking you. And he's, get, he's responding. He's closing circles. No, I don't, I don't want him to be in the race. Yeah, it's because I made him up. So he's going to be... You know, these, this, you have opened a problem for him to solve as he goes along and figure out why would he smush something? Why would he exclude something? Why is that hard for him? And granted, if we're trying to show something we love and somebody adds an element like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't part of the deal. That wasn't in the movie. Why are you putting that in the, you know, when people make a movie that we don't think fits our favorite novel and how it looked to us in our own mind, maybe that's a good example of how our kids feel when we try to switch it up and you know make them more flexible in their play. They may feel like, oh, it's not as good as the, what was in my head. But um, you, you, you join him in that and then he can think about that. That's gonna loosen him up. Absolutely. Should we keep going? I'm queued up to 1745 if you wanted to do that next. Sure, where you're gonna help him use what I call being the event planner, I've mentioned 6.10, um, you're helping him think about sequencing, you know, what comes next? Because when he's this excited, that's hard for him. It's all one jum jumble in his mind and you're having him think together with you. Yeah, there has to be some sequence to join each other. You, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and then what are we gonna do? Start it. Helping him, you know, kind of flesh out his plot, which is a, something that people actually do when they're writing a story together. So what is, you know, what would happen about this? What is, what is this part going to do? Almost like co-writing a story together. And I would jump to 19.40 um, because I love this part, what you did. 
where again you're going back to his issues with winning and losing clearly you're helping him think about his life by thinking about the characters in his favorite story right now they're all friends they're all friends yeah we need to try and go those they still are friends even if one of them beats the other one yes when they're still friends that's no, nice. They win. Oh, they win. If they if they win the race, they win. You and they're still a, friends. They don't get mad. You need to make wins. Ludwig. Ludwig is a bad guy. I think I have to describe what I'm seeing because um, you as the mom are using great expressions on your face for the bad guy. You make a kind of an angry, mean face and he does it too. He, 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 he experiments. He looks away from you for the one of the few times he looks away and he makes a sort of an angry, a modified angry face. It's not full on because he's still working at this. And then you ask if he's scary in a kind of a scared voice. And he makes a scared face. So he's really cueing off you and, and playing with emotions on his face, in his body, to think about the ideas. So he's doing beautiful integration there. Um, that's, how we, that's how we do it. This is putting on a clinic, <laughs> helping him think, do the emotional thinking. And I call that uh, 6.2 highlighting emotions, but also 6.3, emotional curiosity, reflecting on all feelings. Again, at the end of the day, at dinner, in the bath, just it, during story, during a video, stopping and, and helping our kids really start to prioritize the emotional flavor of life when they, they often will miss it. They'll often be thinking back to the mechanics or the visuals or some of their some more limited aspect of what really excites them and we're saying hey there's something else really exciting too is put the emotions in this and he goes there with you he finds it interesting too so it worked let's jump to 2600 if we could because here now you're doing this um thickening the plot, what I call 5.3, 5.2, animating the characters, really trying to get him enticed and wooing him into using his imagination more, not only recreating the ideas he's seen, but writing writing something new with you. Actually, Grumble Volcano, you need the lava. Oh, now we're in Grumble Volcano, okay, red and orange lava. Whoa. Watch out, you're gonna get burned. Watch out. It's hot. What's hot? The lava's so hot. Don't fall in the lava. What's gonna happen? Oh, I got burned. Ouch. It's so hot. She needs a car. Ah, hot lava. Stay away from it. Deontay loves global volcano. Pretty fun level, isn't it? Deontay likes it. Yeah. And I like it. Okay. We 
lots of hot lava here. Don't fall in. Okay. That's that's what I wanted to show. And so that's that's where you've been wanting to go, right? With him as his mom, and I see you doing it there. There's another place later where you, you're inviting him to, could we look at each other if we were both in our cars and wave at each other, helping him really enter the drama, enter his imagination and be there in it. So it's working. Is it nice to see it back again and see everything you were doing? And well, he, he um, went in, he, he sort of looked confused and he said, what is, what is hot or something? And then I said, ow, ow, it'll hurt. And, and I think he said, what will happen? Yeah. And this is a stage that he's in right now. Um, his latest stim is going, ah, 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 just randomly screaming. And it seems to happen when he gets really excited at school. Sometimes it happens when there's a lull and he's a little bored and he doesn't know what's happening next. He screams. And if he notices that if anyone says, like if dad says, Shh, stop screaming, he starts doing it more. And at school, if they say, oh, I can't hold it loud, it hurts my ears. He starts doing it more. It's almost like once it's in his head, he can't stop from continually trying. And he always says to me, what will happen if I scream? What will happen if I scream? Or he'll pinch me if at bedtime I'm trying to get him to sleep. He'll pinch me and he'll say, mama, what will happen if I pinch you? What will happen if I hurt you? So he's doing this across the board with a lot of things. What will happen if um, they kick us out of the hotel for being too loud? What will happen? <laughs> what will happen if the, the um, truck brings the cars to Canadian Tire because they ran out of his Hot Wheels Mario Kart I think, cars. What will happen? I think, I think that's, that really reinforces what a great thing then it is that you're working with him during playtime on building bridges between ideas, logical thinking, logical sequencing, because this is what he's so working on. What's next? If I scream, then what happens? If I pinch, then what happens? What, what, what this is important for being somebody who's adaptive to their environment, who can survive because we have to be able to think what will happen if I do this? It's, it's beginning to hypothesize. It's beginning to be scientists. We, we don't realize it because it happens so quickly in our own minds, but we're always creating hypotheses and seeing what will happen if, and then making good choices. Our, our best choices at the time and he's getting ready to do that and so how wonderful that he's able to to do it with you in the play um, because there there's more flexibility and comfort to experiment with ideas you know in real life it's a little scary to think what will happen if we get kicked out of the hotel or if I get in trouble at school or but in in the play we can be more experimental more brave and that's where the new connections are made. So I'm so glad you're working so much on this. And I, I think um, what I wanted to say um, as for next steps are, you know, I already mentioned more of the imaginary, drawing him into the plot himself. But also I think you could move to some emerging capacity seven where he's doing multi-causal thinking. So maybe that's going to get him unstuck from the one for one. 
what will happen? This, then that, this, then that. Well, life isn't really like that. So if, again, in the play context, when he's relaxed, when it, there's nothing riding on it, can we say to him something like, when he, can, he tells you why Mercedes is so great and why it's the best and gets the most points, can he come up with another reason why it's the best? Or um, when he agrees, he doesn't want Bully Bullet to be in the race. Maybe because you made him up or maybe what's another reason you don't want Billy Bullet to be in the race. And of course, these don't even have to be accurate. It's just the experience of trying to think there's more than one reason for something that these logical connections aren't one for one. They're one to many. And that's how we represent the world a little bit better in our minds mm -hmm. is when we begin to move in capacity seven and see, oh, there's a bunch of reasons why my friend isn't playing with me. One might be, um, yeah, he, we had a hard time yesterday. Another could be that he's really interested in what someone else is doing. And so it's not just one for one. We have to be, to understand people, we have to have mo those multi-causal thinking and hypotheses about the world. Well, he is working on that with friends too, because um, it started with, he was watching Sonic Boom. And in this cartoon, uh, the characters say to the evil guy, hey, you big buffoon. And he just thought that was hilarious. So he started saying that to his friends, hey, you buffoon, and all these other things. And he doesn't even know what buffoon is. He doesn't know if it's good or bad. He just thought it was funny. And so he's started calling friends different names and he's not doing buffoon so much, but last night when we were going to sleep, he said, so-and-so got in the red zone because I called him a gold trophy and I called the other friend a silver trophy. And he didn't like that. <laughs> and this name calling thing's been going on since uh, school started in you know July, August. So he's, he knows that he's not supposed to call his friends names because the other friend is very sensitive and doesn't matter what the name is. Um, and they've worked on different strategies and he's starting to be able to say sometimes, I feel like calling my friends names without doing it. So they say, oh, okay, do we need a break? And they have a fidget bag for him now and different strategies to help him sort of regulate but he really is still talking and thinking about that. Like so-and-so got upset when I called them this name. So it's more of what you said before, like what happens if. What happens if, and Greenspan called that the playground politics, you know, that, that when we're able to begin to think about um, multi-causal thinking, we can start to think about our interrelationships with each other and, and what will happen if it, we think of it in the classic, you know, the boys who want to, you know, pull the girl, ponytail of the girl to see what will happen if, and, and then big boys, chums and lads and friends who are fully grown and fully adults push boundaries and call each other names to see what will happen. How, how strong is my bond that I can actually tease a little bit to see what will happen? Because sometimes if you can tease, that strengthens the bond. So I wonder if he's, he's almost thinking about teasing certainly it's provoking like mom what will happen if i pinch you um trying to sort out those social reactions you know if you, if it doesn't come naturally to empathize it's not that automatic to think i know what will happen i know how you'll feel if i do this it's more learning to empathize 
over many, 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 many experiences of practicing to remember, oh yeah, I do remember what that feels like and it's not a great feeling. And so I don't want to make that happen. And Dr. Fader pointed out in a podcast I did with him a few years ago about repetition in autism and how our kids will need to repeat these experiences over and over and mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. so that they learn and they see it in all these different contexts and all these different scenarios. And, you know, what happens when I, when I hit Dada, when I'm tired at bedtime and he brushes my teeth and I don't like it and I hit him. And then I experiment later and, you know, I've tried to say different things. Sometimes um, he'll say, I don't like Dada anymore. Um, Dada was grumpy or something. And I'll say, oh, um, oh, you know, Dada was really tired after work. I, I don't think it was you. And then another time, oh yeah, that hurt Dada's ears when you scream. So we'll try and give him different reasons why mm-hmm. Dada might've been mad or grumpy. Um, Good. Good for him to think but, about. That's, that's really, really helpful. And, and Dr. Fader talking about the repetition makes me think of Temple Grandin's brilliant writing and exposition of her own mind and saying, even visually, that it's why would I be fascinated watching a door open and close as so many children on the spectrum when they're younger love that that's just so they want to do over and over and over. She explained, well, it's because it is truly fascinating because the door in this position is for me different from the door in this position and is different from the door in this position, just like it's not all one thing it's all different it can't put it all together so it's actually quite visually fascinating or um one dog is different from another dog is i can't extract and synthesize the the concept of dogness she said it's just a bunch of dogs that are all different for me so that means it's hard to form a rule like it's not going to be the first time that i learn oh if i scream it makes it hurts dada's ears so i'm not going to scream i don't want to hurt his ears it's like i have to keep trying working work every situation is different versus coming up automatically with a synthesized integrated rule of how i adapt myself to my social surroundings it's harder it's harder if it's so hard to to automatically categorize and synthesize anyway the the, just um one other thing that he does along those lines is um, he heard his cousin called Dada Uncle. And so that was the name calling that started everything back in January or February. Uncle so-and-so, Uncle so-and-so, like even all the women teachers, Uncle so-and-so, ha 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 ha, Uncle, you're my uncle, Dada, you're my uncle, 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 Uncle Mama, Uncle Aunt, so-and-so, Uncle Nanny, Uncle Grandpa, and it's all cute and funny. Um, But then just recently I started saying Uncle back. To him and he's like don't call me uncle i'm so and so and says his name and and now he's doing that every time so then dada will do that too he'll say oh okay uncle so and so or if he calls a uh, him a name from mario kart he'll call him back that name and he right away don't call me that <laughs> this is this is helpful just to make this point that he doesn't automatically synthesize that into a rule of well, I hate it, so I'm not going to do it to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's going to have to do it by practice and repetition. And you guys are enormously patient, enormously patient. But I think what's so fascinating about your story about in January is that, and, and the one about the baboon are so similar that it surprised him. And so much of humor and delight come from an initial surprise and then a resolution. It's like, oh, 
you know, okay, I get it. First, the, the joke puts two things together we didn't expect. There's a sort of jolt of uncertainty and then a resolution and we just enjoy that. So it's so pleasurable. Well, he's repeating that pleasure over and over to feel the pleasure of, it was so funny when his, somebody called his dada, his uncle, like what? And then, oh, now it makes sense. There's a relief, there's pleasure, there's humor. And he's doing what people do is we want to, we want to laugh. We all want to laugh. We all need to laugh. He's finding the humor in life and repeating it. <laughs> it's just maybe kids humor is not that funny to, to grownups most of the time. <laughs> It, well, they, it was really funny uh, when it started, but then when when the kids didn't like being called uncle, um, it, that's when it became an issue. And and similarly, when he heard one of the cartoons, unfortunately, someone called someone stupid. So every now and then he'll say, stupid, you're stupid, mama, you're stupid. And so we've just tried to redirect because um, we would say, no, no, that's not nice. We don't say that to people. And now I said, we can call the virus stupid, stupid virus, stupid virus. So he's still trying with me. Like he'll say, stupid, stupid, stupid. And usually he says it when he hears, stop it, stop it, stupid, stop it, stupid, stop it. Like it sounds similar. So you can hear he says it over and back and forth. And then he says, stupid, you're stupid, mama. And I'll say, oh, that stupid virus. So I'm not reacting anymore. I'm just redirecting. But I don't know if that That's works either. More helpful. We all are, we all can shift our behavior so much more easily if somebody, somebody redirects us versus stops us. So I think that's a more effective parenting strategy. And, you know, it's interesting. He's getting the right, he is picking up the right emotional tone to these experiences. Like when you say stop it, he feels upset, angry. And that's when we usually say something or someone is stupid, right? It's just, um, we, certain words like that we just keep to ourselves but he's he's getting it right or the um yeah the he's getting the the feeling tone right but then inhibiting is hard so redirecting is easier yes he has a big problem with inhibition yeah it's really hard for him to inhibit it like i said the screaming when it gets in his mind because you keep right. saying don't scream they might kick us out of the hotel because we've been in a hotel while our house is kitchen's getting renovated and he says what will happen and then he's like ah, ah, and he keeps trying and trying and instead if we sort of redirect uh, I think we, I said you can say woohoo so I heard him practicing like he'll go ah woohoo and then he'll play a little bit more wow. like, ah, so that he, word he's yep. trying to say woohoo but he couldn't stop that scream either mm, <laughs> and mm -hmm, it's harder mm -hmm. because I think dad thinks that he is able to control it so dad tries to like push him like come on you know you're not allowed to scream but when he did that kind of thing like, ah woohoo to me that sort of said like he really is finding it hard to control that impulse oh yeah it's a it's it's hard for all of us it's hard for all of us if if they, they say you tell someone don't think of a pink elephant <laughs> yeah. well we all think of a pink elephant um so if he's even thinking, don't scream, there's the scream memory and he feels like just drawn to do it again, do it again. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing for parents um, is that, you know, our kids go through the stages that maybe younger kids went through neurotypically. So 
thought my son might be going through something that little five and six-year-olds go through when they start school. He's 11 and a half, but developmentally, he was a toddler for eight years. Now he's into that, you know, age five, six range. He's starting to read and write, you know, barely, like just starting to write. Oh, I don't have it. I gave out the Christmas cards to, to the school, but he actually, for the first time, wrote people's names and the writing's wow. very messy, but he's actually starting. So wow. he's really like a much younger child. And for parents to put that in perspective, like what does a typical eight month old do, 12 month old do, 16 month old do, two year old do when they start saying no, no, no. But you might have an eight year old saying no, no, no. And it's not being defiant. It's just that stage that they're going through. It's so hard when they're so big to see the younger parts and the younger, yeah, it, it, it just automatically without her thinking about it, we respond to him because he looks like he's 11. And with the, with the, the shouting is the best example. If, if you have, you know, you have a babe in arms and they start listening to the sound of their voice in, in, in the cathedral going, Whoa, <laughs> you know, you can't tell your nine month old, don't scream, you yes. walk out. You, you change the environment, you, you yeah. replace the opportunity with something else to do it outside in the courtyard where you're not going to disturb people because you know, once they're on that track, they can't inhibit. Um, so it's, it's really helpful to see them as all ages and stages along the way that are being developed at different paces, different timing, and then you're not frustrated. And if your frustration gets in there, then that distracts from the lesson. When you're so patient and understanding, you're giving him good information that he wants and needs without the emotional tone of rejection, disappointment, frustration, irritation that he has to defend himself from, not think about, and then go off and do what he was going to do anyway, right? Yeah, so. that, that is the hardest part because at the end of the day, we're all exhausted. And if he starts screaming, our in instinct is like, Shh, hey, stop that. Stop right. it now. And then escalate. Stop it. Or I'm taking that away, you right. know, that kind of thing. And then, yeah, <laughs> and he's more anxious. And then if it, the screaming had anything to do with expressing anxiety, then you're in a, you're in a feedback loop and it's, it's a self-repeating, self-fulfilling cycle. Um, but it, of course we all get frustrated, of course, but you're starting from a place and returning to a place of acceptance of him mm -hmm. as a person. And I think that helps the patients. Yes. Yes. Um, that, that you were just describing that difference of perspective, thinking that he can, thinking that he can't, we're not sure if he can or he can't, let's um, support him. Let's try something different. Let's try uh, a redirect. Um, yeah. And, and so. if I could summarize what I took away from today more than anything for parents listening is that our kids can do amazing things with support. Stuff that we don't necessarily see every day, but with that support of our play, look at how high they can rise on that developmental ladder in those moments. Where exactly. We support them. Intentional, yep. purposeful play, that is the best support. That's why every behavioral big, big problem that parents put to Greenspan, he would say, more floor time. Up the floor time in your schedule. You need more time to play together if you're facing a big challenge. Like one big challenge is being out of your house for the renovations, not being able to scream and because there's other people on every side of you. Um, 
So then he says, okay, let's change the schedule and make more time for that kind of connecting play because that's that support that really works. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Davis. And for those listening, we're going to have a link to the book that we referenced, the user's guide. And I will um, put links to the past podcasts we did. There it is. Um, it's such a handy book and a good yeah. reference. And yeah. um, the, the other podcasts we've done over the years to see the development uh, that's gone on. It's amazing to me that we were talking level six strategies in FEDC six, the functional emotional developmental capacity, sixth capacity building bridges uh, between ideas that and logical thinking that he's poking his head into, um, finally being robustly in that fourth capacity, finally, and pushing into uh, five and six where we want to start to guide his play and, and get him into more of those emotional um, yeah. thinking. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's beautiful, just beautiful to see. So um, thank you for letting me be part of this journey. It's, it's thrilling. You know, this is what we get up in the morning to see is all the growth. And yeah, uh, and, and thank you. I appreciate it too. Thanks. It's great. So um, thanks very much. And um, everybody can find the notes at the blog post, affectautism.com. You can search Dr. Andrea Davis. Thanks so much and tune in again next week. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please check the ICDL parent website at the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for a free virtual floor time consultation or for the weekly parent support meetings. We aim to help you implement your program at home using the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based Model, or DIR, taking into account your child's developmental level their individual differences, and using your relationship with them to help promote and support their development. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through play.